you know, I fucking love the idea of playing chess with a ghost over the period of days. I, too, also have always, lo- like, loved that idea of playing ghost or chess with, like, or chess with, like, an invisible entity that just plays against you. It's um, just fascinating. It is. We're still talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm so tired. I'm America. The sleepy one over there is James. I bought him a coffee today, a giant coffee, and he's still tired. So, we are still talking about... Why did we commit to the movie? I don't want to. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I don't want to watch the next one. Well, we're not talking about that one right now. We're talking about Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a movie you enjoyed. Let's watch it again and do another two episodes of the next time. Um, let's start off by talking about the hair. Whose hair? Everyone's hair. Well, mainly, specifically, Phoebe and Finn's. Um. Those two curly-headed, beautiful bastards? Yes, but I, what I liked about this movie is that the hair actually defy gender norms, because Finn's hair is, like, long super and long. I guess not super long. My hair is super long, but it's, it's longer. It's shoulder length. It's about as long as James's. And uh, Phoebe had really short hair that was cut up close to her head, and I don't know. I just thought it was nice that the hair kind of defied gender norms. Um, then we get the ghost detector going off in Phoebe's room. Detecting the ghost of her grandfather. Um, who guides her to his secret hidden laboratory under the shed. Where you keep all your secret hidden laboratories. I'm telling you, that's why we need a shed. Um, and he basically guides her around and then shows her how to fix the proton cannon. Um, and I, my note was just your grandfather is ghosting so hard right now. Like, he's just, like, angling lights and... He is poltergeisting as hard as he can. He is literally putting in all the effort and then some. Uh... Then we flash back to, or do we flash back to, uh, the mom says something. Oh, I think I noticed just that she sucks balls. All I wrote is this mom needs a therapist, so I guess it doesn't have to pertain to a s- specific scene, but this mom needs a therapist like 10 times over because she's so hung up. I think I remember the line was uh, the Phoebe asked her mom, you know, like what kind of scientist was grandfather like the next morning after yeah. she discovers the hidden bunker and your grandma, the, the, mom, the mom was like, he's the kind of scientist that drives families apart. And I was just like, dude, you, yeah, at you some gotta, point, at some point you gotta work on yourself here. You gotta let some stuff go. Like you, you you can't, like James kind of said it, it's like they gave her one personality trait, and that was, your you father hate, abandoned you. You hate your dad. And that's all they told her. Because it's just, it's over and over. And um, over. We then get, like, the, uh... We gotta test the proton cannon, and we gotta drop the fact that she's going on a date with Gary. Yep. Um. So, Ghostbusters 2... Small town, it's definitely Stranger Things. I'm just calling it. We're just keep throwing in Stranger Things thing- things into this movie. Um, also, I wrote there's too much fuck around and find out in this movie. Because now we're just going to start sh- using these weapons 
that we have no no business using no business using as 12 year olds um that we just fixed because our ghost grandfather told us to and we're just gonna go play with them out in a field they set up bottles like it was going to be an old-fashioned, like, revolver shootout type deal where you were practicing shooting the glass off the thing. And she just destroyed the entire barrier and all the glass with energy beams. Proton cannons. Sure. I don't know how the fuck any of it works. Um, I, I watched the first one when I was, like, ten. And then I never watched it again. Maybe we should rewatch it for a Halloween episode this year. Probably. James would rather watch Ghostbusters than Titanic. I'd rather watch a lot of things than Titanic. Um, I'd watch Fifty Shades of Grey before I watch Titanic. Too bad it's the other way around. Fuck. Uh, then we see that Finn has successfully... Um, he did not successfully fix the car. Yes, he did. No, he did oh. 98% of the things to fix the car. We also, oh, before we get to Finn fixing the car, we also find out that there is a ghost. Um, that Muncher. Muncher that podcast and Phoebe tried to take down unsuccessfully because the trap didn't, was too hard to get underneath the ghost. So there will be some modifications made to the trap. No. They do not modify the trap they currently have. And you questioned me when we watched the movie, and I promise you, with all of my life, they do not modify the trap they currently have. Okay. Um, they fail at catching the ghost, and then we cut to Finn, who has... Almost entirely fixed the car. Almost entirely fixed the car. Turns out he was one wire too short, and guess who's gonna lend a hand in that? Ghost Grandpa's gonna twist that wire up and connect it, and boom, engine turns over. And the hood of the car closes by itself, because ghosts. And boom, open road, baby. And Finn takes that shit joyriding. All I have to say about this entire scene, other than it's really cool to see, like, Ecto-1 out in action, is uh, that car does not have the four-wheel drive capability to do any of the shit that Finn does with it. No way, no how. It's not going to leap over a giant mound of dirt. It's just... It just doesn't. It's not going to do it. It's also old as shit, so no. Um, then we flash to the date where... They're out at a kitschy, small-town sushi place. Yep. And all I wrote was, do better, science teacher, do better. Because <laughs> you can. Everyone You're... wants Paul Rudd to do better. Is he even married? Um, it's a quick little cut. It's an awkward date. The end. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. She's toxic. All done. Um, and then we cut to the go- the kids who are now have now Finn has now picked up Phoebe and podcast in Ecto One, and sh- they're like, "We gotta go catch a ghost." And he's like, "What?" And so they're gonna go catch a ghost. And the damage that's about to happen to this small town. It is a ass load of fuckery it's about to go down once again we have a young 15 year old who does not have his driver license driving ecto one through the small town chasing a ghost we have a 12 year old using a proton cannon that she has no business using i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be the lame adult here she has no use like no reason to be using that proton cannon she is 12 
I get it, kids. It's a, like... Also, what adult's going to believe them? The adults are all fucking assholes in this movie. So now it just looks like you're trashing a fucking town for no fucking reason. Um, which they do. They cause significant damage to several buildings, chasing Muncher, who they do catch, though. I did make... Okay, now here's the thing. They all get an Ecto-1, and they're looking at all the stuff that's around, and podcast hits a button, opens up this little container and inside is an rc car with a trap on it okay they do not modify the trap they had they have another one with wheels and a remote control okay that they use for like the rest of the movie they just sort of abandoned that first trap um i'm not calling you a liar i no, believed I'm not you calling when you, you a truther i believed you when you told me in on the couch and i believed you now good are we good Great. I was never questioning you. I know. I'm right. Anyways, they catch Muncher over by the mines, and then they slowly drive back to town. Um, and I wrote before the police even showed up in the scene that they are in so much fucking trouble, because how y'all gonna explain that? The police also saw them drive by, like, they literally drove by the cops. You know what, though? Hmm. Just as a story note. If they had gone straight home after catching Muncher, there would not have been an issue because they wouldn't have driven back through town. Because you can get to, based on the maps they show, you can get to the mine via back roads from the house without ever having to go into the town main street or anything. So the fact that they get caught is just extra dumb but also like classic kids because of course you return to the scene of the crime if you're a kid you don't understand you've done something fucked up also just to be devil's advocate maybe they were driving podcast home could be could be i'm not saying that's what it's happened. not clear they end up driving back through town and get pulled over and arrested um podcast is hype as fuck to be in a jail cell and yes. he is still my favorite character yes he's just he's almost like um the jacob of this movie. So the Jacob and Fantastic Beasts where he's just like Oh, yeah, he's, he's the human. He's fucking happy to be here. Happy to be part of the Ghostbusting team. Doesn't really care what happens to him. He's just out and about having a nice time, man. That's Everything's all there is to exciting. It. Everything's great. He's just here for the fucking ride, dude. He's he's here to be here. Um we continue to see everyone being the absolute worst in this movie from the cops to the parents to the kids to the teenagers like literally everyone is just except for podcast who can do no wrong um <laughs> everyone is just apps the absolute worst in this movie the uh phoebe gets her one phone call uses it after talking to the asshole chief of police who we find out is lucky the love interest dad Lucky's dad yeah because like i said everyone in the small town teen group has at least one person that their parent is the only cop in town um, and so she calls the Ghostbusters Ray Stance, number. I think it's the guy's name. I don't remember any of the characters' names from Ghostbusters. I really don't. She calls the Ghostbusters number, um, which for some reason is still connected because reasons. Um, and she ends up calling she calls Dan Aykroyd's character. Yeah, Raymond Stance. Yeah, she calls Ray Stance. And he picks up, 
thinks it's a prank call. Yeah, he's like, I'm hanging up now because he called the Ghostbusters. She's like, no, I'm in jail. And he's like, what? <laughs> and now this phone conversation is one of the dumbest fucking phone conversations to ever happen. Instead of leading with, I'm Yvonne Spangler's kid, or a grand- grandchild. I'm in jail. There are ghosts here. They have a deep conversation about the death of Yvonne Spengler and what happened to break up the Ghostbusters, and then the cop hangs up the phone for her before any valuable information can be shared, really, other than the fact that Yvonne Spengler is dead. And that she's... She does say that she is his grandchild, and he Yeah, does- but that's the last thing she says, and then the cop clicks the phone because he's a... Can't say that word. That's a bad word. He's a fucking He's an asshole. asshole. Like everybody else. Um, I will Jesus. say once again, though, that everyone is acting their ass off in this movie and it is affecting, it affected me emotionally. Like both in James and I were like at different points or the whole time angry while watching this movie. Like the acting was so good that it was like making us emotionally react to the acting. Like I was physically angry because everyone was just pissing me off. So I got, I got 20 minutes into the movie with a deposit and I was like, I can't be happy right now because they're just all so fucking awful. Every NPC in this movie is fucking miserable. They're all awful, but they're written like real people and real people are fucking awful. And it, it's not a bad thing. No, it's like an let us be film. clear. It's not a bad thing that we felt this way. It was fabulous writing. So well done. The acting and the writing was so well done that I couldn't think of a character that I liked in this movie. Like as a character in the podcast, like I said, who he can podcast do no wrong. Can do no wrong. Um, He's also not an asshole, notably. And Phoebe goes on a rant and like her and her mom get in a fight because her mom doesn't understand why her daughter is obsessed with her grandfather because her grandfather abandoned her mother and all this stuff and the funniest thing too though is like in the date between gary and callie i think her name is is the name of the mom in their date she talks about how she just wishes that Phoebe would get into more trouble and like be like a normal kid and then literally has to leave the date to go to jail to pick up her kid and then is fucking mad about it. Like, oh, I just wish she would let loose and get in a little trouble and then literally has to go pick up her kid who has let loose and is getting in trouble and is fucking pissed. Like, you cannot have your cake and eat it too, dude. You, you got to pick one or the other. And that's like that's like a human flaw, is that we 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 say things and then they come true and we're like, well, fucking not like that. Genie wishes. Be careful what you wish for. Jin wishes. Um. In response to, to the scene, I wrote, "Your family is full of assholes, yourself included, Phoebe. Like none of you are great." It's just where everyone's a prick. And then we go to Walmart, and I am not saying that as a joke. We literally go to Walmart. And we spend quite some time in Walmart. But it's worth every second that we spend at Walmart. I My first note was just so much product placement. Walmart spent a lot of money. And then Baskin Robbins spent some money. And then other brands spent some money. There was lots of brands. He names Jamoka Fudge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd. Gary Gruberson. 
did not have the magnificent ending to his date that he probably envisioned having, and so he has gone to Walmart to pick up a half gallon of ice cream, like any self-respecting adult. Uh, and so he grabs that, and then he's meandering through the toppings aisle, and comes across blue velvet something or other, is mumbling to himself about it. It's great. It's just like a normal human would do. Uh, and then he's, as he's wandering by, you, he hears something, and he's like, the fuck was that? And he looks around, and there's some bags of marshmallows, and there, the plastic is just rustling around, and you're all like, ah, oh, we're gonna have a Stay puff Marshmallow Man. Because it's a Ghostbusters uh, movie. Yeah, we gotta call back, you know? And then popping out of this little plastic bag is a pint-sized, little, like, two-inch-high Stay puff Marshmallow Man. Oh, so bad. And he's really cute and he's being adorable. And Paul Rudd reaches out to poke him and motherfucker bites his finger. Well, he pokes him one time in the back and the little Stay Puft Marshmallow guy was like, hee hee, and like held his hands out like, do it again. So he does it again. And he bites him (laughs) like a gremlin. And then all of a sudden, there's like 4,000 more Stay Puft Marshmallow. And they start doing horrifying murder. To themselves. It's, I kid you not, we got transported to the middle of a different movie that I think should get made into a movie. It was chaos. Chaos and It carnage. was made into a movie because I uh, I wrote, this is the cutest, most terrifying I ever seen movie, or terrifying scene I've ever seen, and I wrote, this is as bad as Sausage Party. No. Yeah. Sausage Party is a different kind of bad. But um, it was like the same vibe of you're just watching like these horrific... Things happen to, like... Yes. Food creatures. But in this case, it's animated food in a real-life setting. That's not... The whole thing isn't animated. And they're doing genocide instead of fucking. So, the l- listen, the ending of Sausage Party is a trauma-ridden roller coaster of disaster. I've blocked most of it out. I don't remember it. You should put Sausage Party on the list. I don't want to watch it again. I don't either, and that's why it should be on nope, the list. No, we're not doing um, it. But we're going to suffer through Titanic? Yes. Okay. So, fucking, the, the, I mean, the, these marshmallows, it starts with, like, one, like, trips and drops this, like, umbrella drink topper, and it spikes through the back of one of them's head, and it becomes like a nose for him, like a snowman nose. And you're like, oh, that's cute. They can't die because he gets spiked through the head, right? Well, you would think that. And then they start like skewering him with fucking marshmallow skewers, you know, like you do to marshmallows. And, and then they roast, roast them. him over a fucking barbecue grill and they death scream. The sentient marshmallows are murdering other sentient marshmallows. It's, it's one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen on screen. It's not gruesome. Well, no, it's exclusively gruesome, but there's no blood. There's no maiming to a human. It's just horrible. It's I cannot find the correct set of words to describe how fucked up everything is that happens in this scene. But they're all laughing and happy about the death. They're you like, know what? That's what makes it worse. Is they're <laughs> like, this is what marshmallows are meant for. There's like one that- of them lays on a graham cracker and they put the chocolate on top of him. And, and then, then they blowtorch blow the fucking chocolate and he starts like crisping over. He's it's just hot. happy. And he's happy to die. One jumps in a blender and they like start pressing the blender buttons and he's like, hey. <laughs> Like he's floating he's in the air. Kicked he's kicked around there. by the thing, and then he just catches an edge and splats across the whole fucking thing. It's horrifying. And I I could have lived in that scene, my jaw on the floor. I could have lived in that scene for 
an hour. I it, you could have made a short film just about that set of marshmallows just killing themselves across a Walmart, and I would have fucking loved it. It, it would have so been good. incredible. I would have called it the highest art form I've ever seen in recent history, and I would have been correct. But then we had to go back to the Ghostbusters movie and do some plot things, and so Paul Rudd's running away from the horrifying marshmallows, and he finds... <gasps> A demon dog. Well, it's kind of like a bulldog. It, like, literally like literally. a bull. It's like a bull dog. mastiff dog with horns. And um, he's just eating dog food in the dog food aisle. And this at this point, because Paul Red is still holding his ice cream, it before anything else happens, before the ghost demon notices him, I wrote, the ice cream is not worth it, my man. I would have dropped the ice cream and left at the moment the Stay Puff Marshmallow people were there. That's just me. I also wrote some, um, I also wrote that I did just want to squish the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man right before the, right, right before, before Gary got happened. bit by one, and I was like, I was literally typing, I was like, I want to squish him, and then he got bit, and I was like, but maybe don't. <laughs> so, it was, it, James's, everything James said correct, my jaw was also on the floor, it was just such a excellent scene, and then, yeah, we're here with the, uh, I also wrote that no one else seeing this is, like, concerned. Like, because there were other people in Walmart. We saw them, and there's employees there because the Walmart's open, but no one else, Like, we don't hear any other screaming or anything happening. Um, But then, yes, we do see the bulldog demon thing, which should look very familiar to anyone who's seen Ghostbusters previously because it's the... It's Gozer's Watchdog. Yeah, it's Gozer's Watchdog. Um... And he ends up chasing Gary out of the Walmart and jumping on the hood of his car. On the hood of his car, and then like lunging towards him. And then we cut to the next scene, uh, which is where the group of kids is like Phoebe rolls out a map. She's like, "I've tracked all the seismic activity. Here's the center." And then that's when. Um, Finn and Lucky are like, hey, we were there the other day. We saw some weird shit. Um, and so we go. We, I wrote a note that we really yada yada the way the kids get to places because we were in the Walmart parking lot and then the kids were going down into the mine. Yeah. And it just like, there's no transition at all. It's wild. So we end up at the mine, um, and... Phoebe hears, well, they had heard the voice in the mine earlier that said Gozer. Um, Phoebe also is like, you know, did some research on that name he heard because they just yada yada that. She's like, it's an old demon, blah, blah, blah. Re, just retelling for those of you who haven't seen the first Ghostbusters who Gozer is. It was basically just catching you up to speed. And I was, was like, we just using the same bad guy, really, guys? Yes, we are. Because this is the part of the movie where we just start rolling the fucking hits from the first Ghostbusters. And not in a bad way. It wasn't well done. It's just also like, we definitely saw this movie before. Um, It's like tacky, but the good kind of tacky that makes you feel good. The nostalgia. It hits all the nostalgia buttons. You just start ramming them in there. And like I said, it was handled very nicely. If I was to... This is how you should do a reboot of a classic. Like, this is a really well done It's not reboot. even a reboot. They call it directly a sequel. Yeah. Probably because they also included the main cast from the first movie in it 
entirely. But it's a reboot. You're revamping the old series for a new audience. It's a reboot. Yes. Um, this is how you do that, by the way. This this is this is how. This is how. Um, we go find out that basically there's been some sort of ghost activity or seismic, like, cosmic phenomenon over several years that has been charted on this internal tomb um, that the kids are in because they went down into the mine. Uh, they start listing them all out, um, and I have one note. What no- dates? There were 19... There was 1880-something. 1908... 1945. And the reason I have this because the lucky says, because they're, like I said, they're listing everything that happened. So, like this earthquake in this place, this thing at this location. And then it gets to 945, and lucky just says, well, what didn't happen, what didn't happen in 1945? And I was Great like, Great fucking line. That's a, it was an excellent line. And then the next one was 1984. Because that's when the first Ghostbusters happened. And then 2021, which then, is the year they were filming that. And then there's a third date 2134. We believe. I didn't really catch it. I did. It's 2134. 2134 is the next date. So, you know, catch that in... In 100 years. 100 years, there could be a another Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters movie. movie. Uh, which will just ship to you as a small chip that you implant into your brain and watch it on the back of your eyelids while you sleep. And then Phoebe goes and leans over the giant pit of hell. And gets entranced by Gozer trying to break out. Yes. Um, and then what we see is that... Spangler is a genius, as he always is, and has set up a trap that basically senses when Gozer is getting out using a ghost detector um, that we've seen in the ghost tracker that we've seen before, which will trigger three proton cannons. I thought it was four. Might be four, because it always takes four, because the four Ghostbusters. Right. Four proton cannons um, combining over the hole. And shooting down, keeping Gozer in. Um, it's an automatic trap, and that's what's been causing all the earthquakes, is every time Gozer gets out... Or tries to, anyways. Yeah, tries to get out, it triggers and causes a lot of seismic activity. Right. Um, Finn tackles Phoebe and saves her from getting entranced by Gozer, who definitely almost had her. And then... Um, we get a quick cut to the house. Well, first of all, podcast oh. cod cock blocks Finn and Lucky Oh yeah, so that hard. does happen. I forgot about that. He they're like she they're like doing that thing where it's like, Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you oh. okay? And like so close. And then podcast just literally like no shame walks straight in between them. Also, no uh JK Simmons is in this movie as a cameo. Uh as the town founder in a glass box who has a great moment with uh, uh, fucking, I want to call him Radio Shack, but it's podcast. Um, there's a great moment with podcast where podcast is like looking at him, and as the earthquake is happening, the town founder, who should be dead by now, like creaks his head over and like looks at podcast and then just settles back in. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, what the fuck? Anyways. That's just an aside. J.K. Simmons is in the movie. We do cut back to the house. The ghost tracker starts going off in front of the... The mom. Mom. She follows it because ghost grandpa's talking... Well, it's her dad, so I guess ghost dad is talking to her. Um, Guides her to the same secret bunker, but instead of looking at all the really cool tech down there... What just happened? Okay, there we go. Sorry, our mic went out for a second. 
looking at all the really cool tech down there, um, she he shows her every fucking picture that was ever taken of her on a wall. And all I wrote was, he did love you. Suck on that, bitch. Like, <laughs> I mean, he could have written her, like, letters or something, but... I have a feeling in his head it was, like, it it's, it it's would come down to, yeah, it, we're trying to yeah. keep her safe, like, we're, I'm not going to drag you into this, blah, blah, oh, blah, for sure. blah. For sure, he'll, he'll have a hero complex after being the savior of New York once or twice or ten times. Um, And then we see another ghost demon bulldog thing. Um, Gozer's other pet. Yeah, jump into... We'll jump on, uh, tackle the mom. Um, and then the kids come back to the house and they're like, mom, mom, blah, blah, blah. And she's just sitting there like clearly possessed to like has the whole possessed head look, not moving, m- mumbling to herself. Um, and this is when I wrote playing the hits because before they even say it, like she was, they were like, mom, mom. And I was like, there is no mom, only Zool. Immediately then, after that, they were like, there is no mom, only Zool. And I was like, yes, they said, I totally did that thing. I was like, they said the thing. Like I had, again, I had my nerd out moment. It was, we were playing the hits and not. Not in a bad way. Not a bad way. It was like, I was like, I know exactly what she's going to say. And it was just a really cool nerdy moment. I'm glad you liked it. I had no idea what they were talking about. I. We're watching. We're it's been the so long since I watched Ghostbusters, dude. I cannot explain to you how most of this stuff. I was like, "Is to canon?" But what kind of canon? Is it an ion canon? They it say it in the movie. Yes, but before that, I was like, "I know what it is, but I don't remember what it is." Um. Anyways, at this point, though, I wrote, "You guys are all fucked." Yeah. Um. Because now we have both demon dogs, and if you don't know any of the Ghostbusters lore, let me break it down for you. In order for Gozer to come back, the gatekeeper and the keymaster have to reunite. And fuck. Um, yes. That is something they came out kept out of the 1984 version. I mean, they implied it. But, yes. Essentially, they have to reunite. Physically. Um, and in order to do that, they have to inhabit two human bodies. Do the... Pardon you. Do the horizontal tango. Do the making a monster with two backs. And then they can bring Gozer back. So wait, canonically, does that mean that Gary Gruberson and Callie Spangler did the nasty in the movie? Yes, they talk about it afterwards when when they're reunited after the... They don't talk about the fact that they had sex. They do. They don't say it out loud, but they're like, um, he, she's, he's like, why am I bleeding? And she's like, you banged your head on a park bench. He's like, you oh, head, yeah. You headbutt a park bench. And she, he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And he's like, I also feel like before we were dogs, we did, uh, we, uh, and she's like, yeah, yeah, we did. And that's all they say about it. How did I miss that shit? I don't know, but they definitely had a whole conversation about okay, it. Okay, whatever. Um, so I wrote, this is the weirdest scene in the movie, because it's just two growling demons weirdly sauntering over to each other in the middle of a desert with glowing red eyes, and she gets a fancy gold dress after she takes off all her clothes for some reason, and they uh, start smashing face, and then we rough cut away from that real fast. Yeah, we do. 
because we have to go to another little bit of horny. Um, the kids go back to Ghostbuster Manor and gather all the necessary equipment and gear that they can get their hands on there before they also run out to the police station. But there was a moment where both America and I went, Ow! Uh, in uh, rage, uh, as they were putting on the, like, Ghostbuster stuff, and you get Finn Wolfhard putting on his fucking jumpsuit or whatever, and there's a shot where he's putting it on, and Love and Tr- Lucky is behind him, sort of, like, back to him, also putting hers on. But you get this shot of, like, half of her exposed back and, like, her bra. And we were both like, hey! Wh- why? I just wrote unnecessary teenage girl torso yeah. on my notes. Uh, and No reason for it, really. The actress, totally old enough for that to be a thing that she can do and choose to do. Uh, however, I was like, I don't see why. It didn't really serve a purpose it for the do- movie story-wise. It it was a moment between the two of them because you get Finn's character like looking for just like a second too long and like she notices that he's looking. And it's like, okay, that gives me 80s vibes, but it's not the right 80s vibes and it's I don't Finn like Wolf it. It's the Finn Wolfhard formula. Just they got to make their money and make their use of Finn Wolfhard while they have him. Did does he often look at girls' backs? I in his I mean, he's just the awkward teenage love interest. I guess, if you want to run it, but uh, it just, it didn't, most of the movie's been about Phoebe, so to throw this, like, older teenager type loved thing into it, I was like, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, we then cut to... They have to go to jail. They go to jail, they, um... Also, the town's abandoned. Yeah, basically ghosts have run amok at this point and, like, chased everyone out. Um, or killed some of them, it is alluded to. Yeah. Uh, they go to jail to get the rest of their ghost-busting shit, and then, um... Phoebe and Podcast are looking through the evidence locker looking for stuff. They knock over a box, and, like, 15 handguns fall on the floor. And they're like, did you find anything? And she goes, no, just a bunch of stupid guns. And I had a good chuckle, because I was like, yeah, they would be useless in fighting ghosts. We then see that there are, uh, their equipment locked in a cell inside the jail. Like, in the evidence locker. And, um, they can't, Phoebe can't pickpocket or picklock it, because it's too advanced of a lock. And so Podcast just goes... And, like, he's like, she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I've got an idea. And, and reaches inside through the bars. And flicks the button and releases Muncher out of the trap that was in there. Muncher does what Muncher does and munches through the bars to the gate. Now they have access to all their stuff. And there's just one more ghost running around, which at this point is... It wasn't the worst plan. Drop in the bucket. And I wrote, solid plan, podcast. Um, Then we go, very quickly, transport to the mines... Everybody's geared up, teched up. They separate from Lucky. She says, I'll be waiting. They rip J.K. Simmons in half. Um, they do do that. Gozer is back now. Full form. Um, and the plan goes like this. They have to distract Gozer so that they can get a trap underneath one of his pet dogs. Trap it so that Gozer is weakened. Because, again, you need both the gatekeeper and the keymaster 
to for Gozer to be for Gozer to be alive. Yeah, which is a shitty thing for as a god, Gozer. I feel like you could fix that somehow as I a deity, know. but I don't know. Um, so they send Phoebe out to tell her ridiculous jokes to Gozer, and there are some jokes. Some stinkers. I wrote that the nonsensicalness of this moment is what makes it amazing. Like, it was just... You have this giant demon deity staring at this small 12-year-old girl who's just telling the worst jokes you've ever heard. There's some top-of-the-line dad jokes. With the worst delivery you have ever heard. It's not great, but all of them are funny as hell. And it's just, it was so well acted. It was so well done. Um, And then I wrote, so then basically what happens is it works. They get the trap under, uh, the podcast gets, like, drives the trap under with the RC car. They trap one of the dogs. They get, take off. They They get Callie back. They do get Callie back because they trap the dog. Yeah, but you didn't say it. Sorry. They get Callie back, and they're all cruising straight to home, like, as fast as they fucking can. Um, and they, what they have discovered that I think we left out is that the yard is Spangler a trap. had a plan to catch, which we saw at the beginning, to catch Gozer, which is to lure him to the field where Spangler's been working all this time, and... Under the field is, like, a hundred traps. So many ghost traps. There's so many. So he was planning on luring him there and then trapping Gozer. Um, So they lead Gozer back to the field. It doesn't fucking work, just like it did at the beginning of the movie. The trap stalls out, and it looks like all hope is lost, because it couldn't be that easy until slam every nostalgia button that you have. The rest of the Ghostbusters are alive and well, and they roll up and have just some of the greatest, like, old comedy dialogue that you could get from, I mean, it's fucking Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, Bill Murray and what's his fucking name? The one that everyone always forgets? Yeah. And we all feel bad every time we do? Every single time. Uh, Ernie Hudson? Is it Ernie Hudson? Yeah. He plays Winston. It's Ernie yeah, Hudson. Yeah, it's Ernie Hudson. Um, And they're throwing back, like, old one-liners, like, old lines from the movie. Like, oh, it's just so good. It literally tickled every happy nostalgia button in that. Like, I was literally just smiling. I was like, I'm so happy. Um... And that they're struggling. They get tossed around by Gozer, like because they're there's they're not at full force. You need you need the four Ghostbusters. So then Phoebe attacks Gozer, and she and Gozer are like having the I'm gonna call it a cliche because we've seen it pretty much all the time now. Like this power beam fight pushing back and forth. You saw it in Harry Potter. You've seen it in pretty much everything now. Just like the two powers pushing back and forth on these energy beams. Also, there's a bunch of Stay Puft Marshmallow Men inside the car stopping uh, Finn and Podcast, Podcast from, from helping. helping. Um, so they're put... So Gozer and Phoebe are facing off, and Phoebe's losing. Like, not, it's not going well. And then 
Ghost Grandpa. Steadies her hand. Yes, and helps fight. And then we see the other Ghostbusters get back up. They rally. They rally, and then you have all four of the proton beams, and Gozer is getting trapped, but she... She's just hanging on. Yeah, because she's still wrapped up in the proton beams, but you need a trap. The proton beam is, is just for holding them. So then we finally... Fucking podcast gets a hold of the uh, the ghost detector that turns into a taser, and he just starts a brief genocide of exploding the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man with the taser. He just, he zaps one and he goes, ha, and he just starts fucking tasing all of them. He finds one, he zaps it, and it's just a cacophony of pops inside that car. And finally, he kills enough of them that he's able to flip the switch and get the car running again, and boom, Finn's got a fucking proton cannon too now. He aims it at Gozer and then sees what's happening with Gozer and, like, looks at the proton be like, the ones that are supposed to activate the traps. The silos that Quicks, have the... Quicks aims it to the silos, shoots, powers up the traps. M- Mom sees this and goes... The, the switch, the switch that Phoebe told me hit, slams it, dumps it, all the traps light up. There's also been a huge sky beam tornado of ghosts above them this entire time that then gets sucked into the traps. And Gozer, her, the essence of them gets separated and goes into different traps and everything is locked down. And when I tell you that it was the coolest fucking moment and I straight up shed several tears... Like, it just made my childhood heart so fucking happy. It then, was so good. And then we had some more one-liners with our comedy legends. And then Paul Rudd and uh, Celeste were stuck inside their respective uh, little demon dog things. And so they had to be broken out, and that was great. Um, which we get the conversation, which me and James talked about, about how they definitely did the thing. They did the nasty. Um, and then I think, and I'm going to try not to cry, because it was really sweet. Oh, you're going to cry. Um, they basically all got to say goodbye to Spangler. Um, all the old Ghostbusters and Spangler's family all got to say goodbye. And CGI has come so far, and it's, like I said, also really cool, because he did pass away before... This movie was made, and so I feel like it was just a really cool way to pay tribute to him and to have the old Ghostbusters say goodbye to their friend in the film and in real life. So, yeah. Yeah, we had a CGI Harold Ramis uh, do his circle of goodbyes, and it was really sweet. Uh, Gave a hug to his daughter, and in the process of that, uh, basically kind of got, like, freed from the mortal plane, you know? How, because ghost lore is always like, they're trapped here because their business is unfinished, or what have you. And you can assume that his business is then finished, and he sort of just turns into motes of light, flies off into the stars, uh, camera pans, tracks with him up into the stars, uh, where it just says, for Harold, and fades credits. And then there's two really weird end credit scenes that are not necessary. And they don't allude to another movie that could come of it, but they did kind of set themselves up to have another movie, so, you know. It was just weird. It, it was, was some odd ones. We'll leave them as spoiler-free territory. Yeah, you, can, you can go watch them yourself. Yeah, go figure out what 
that all Try means. to interpret the ending of the fucking end credits scenes. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. Bill, Bill Murray's <laughs> in him. It's fun. It Yeah. It's a time. Um, but that is Ghostbusters Afterlife. What would you rate this movie, James? Nine out of ten. Yeah. I think there were some things that could be fixed or worked on, but overall, I think it was an excellent... That's a good movie. Excellent movie. Um, next time, you kind of heard us allude to it already because James is super grumpy about it. But it has been voted on by our live audience that we will be watching Titanic. And we're going to try to make it two episodes. Um, I don't want James is grouchy. If I'd known that he'd want to watch this less than Fifty Shades of Grey, I would have pushed for Fifty Shades of Grey more. Oh, well. Until next time. Bleh.